Imagine if each morning when you wake up, you're smiling and looking forward to your day, knowing you are happy even while you're dealing with grief and loss. The Grief and Happiness Podcasts inspires, comforts, and supports you with each new episode. I'm Emily Zerothret, welcoming you to explore with me your life of endless possibilities. Aloha. I am so glad that you're all here to listen to us today. My guest has just has multifaceted things to do with what we talk about on this podcast. So I think you'll really enjoy our our visit today with Deborah. Welcome, Deborah. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm very happy to be here with you, Emily. Oh, great. I'm, I'm glad you're here. Can you tell us a little bit about you? Yeah, well, currently I'm an artist and a designer. Um, I've been doing that my whole life. It's a creative field. It's a creative career. And, you know, through all of life's ups and downs, I found that if you keep going back to creating, when you go through loss, it kind of throws you like a, a lifeline to help keep you floating along, to keep you uplifted a little bit. That's kind of how I've been handling the grief and loss that I've gone through. I I love that. I just think creativity is such a, a, a wonderful vehicle to, you know, what, what happens with me is I feel like I escape the, the real world <laughs> when, when I'm creating. I'm, I'm working on a project. I'm just so zoned in on that that everything else is okay. And so it's, it's refreshing. It is. And it's it's like meditating, but it's like, you know, find the thing that you love to do where you kind of lose all track of time. And that's how it is for me when I'm creating something. Um, that's really cool. And I, I love your rocks. Tell us about your rocks. Yeah. So that's the rocks are part of the Abundant Love Project that I started, um, let's see, about maybe seven years ago after the loss of my daughter, Kate. She was 29 when she passed. And like so many people, yourself included, listeners, you know, life throws you things that just come out of left field. You never see them coming and you never expected them. You never expected that to be what your life becomes. And when eight died, that's exactly, I was lost. I spent a lot of time sitting by myself on the couch. You know, I live alone, staring at the wall, trying to decide how do I move forward? How do I live in a life I don't even want? I didn't want it. You know, who wants to live without their child? And I guess the creative aspect was that I live near the beach and I would walk the beach. And the beach near me is where I lived then in Carlsbad was not a beautiful sandy beach like you see like Florida or Malibu or things like that. It had a lot of rocks on it. So I would walk and I would walk with my head down because making eye contact is hard when you're going through grief and loss. You don't really want to see people. You don't want them to see you. And I would walk with my head down and I started noticing rocks. Some of them were interesting to me. And I decided, you know, I'm going to take some of these home with me and I'm going to leave them with notes for people. I'm going to draw on 
some of the stones and leave them with a note in a place, a public place, as like a random act of kindness, because I thought, you know, if, if my life has fallen apart and I don't even know how to pick up the pieces, maybe I can make someone else's life better. And so that's what I started doing. And I brought these, um, these little gray stones home with me and I started drawing on them and uh, leaving them in public places for people to find. And the note, I've got the note right here, um, that I would leave with them with the little rubber band I would attach it. And it says, for someone very special, you. You're receiving this handmade stone as a gift because you are loved. Someone made this just for you, and it's yours to keep. The stone is a reminder that you are valued by your friends and family and is a sign that you are treasured by so many, many others. And then it has the website for the Abundant Love Project where people who found them, if they wanted to, could post a picture of where they found it or how it made them feel. And then I started doing this with groups of people locally and then other groups. I mean, other people found out and started their own groups of the Abundant Love Project. And then pictures were posted on Facebook and Instagram of people who found the stones and that's what started lifting me. It almost became like, you know, a little draft of wind of air that kind of lifted me up a little bit to the point where I could lift my head up and look around and see that grief can turn to love. And that was what saved me. And I won't say it happened just by doing a few walks or making 10 stones. I mean, it took a while. Um, for this to happen. But eventually it did. It transformed me. And even people that weren't going through grief loved making these stones because I realized people want to help people. I think it's inherent in our human nature that human beings want to help human beings. And not everybody knows how to go about that. So I think with this project, it was really simple because you just had to find a stone. And if you don't live near a place where you can find them, you can buy like a 20 pound bag of them at Home Depot, these little gray pebbles. And then you can draw on them with pink pens and you can do this no matter where you live. Everyone can draw a heart. Um, it's, it's not hard. Everybody understands a heart, no matter what language uh, you speak. And I found that this project spread to other countries because I did have the opportunity to travel with some friends who put on conferences and they let me have some time on the stage and I talked about the project and everyone in the audience wanted to make the stones. So it spread over to like Israel, Australia, Germany, Portugal. I can't even remember how many places. I remember Ireland, Britain. So I have these notes translated into many languages on my website and it has saved me. And once you start being able to see love coming through the darkness at first in little glimpses and then bigger, um, you're able to reconnect with your life again. And that's what happened. It is, it's so beautiful. I, I love that. And I, I agree with you completely that connecting makes a, a huge difference. I think the people that have the most challenge with grief are the ones who aren't around anybody at all. 
And if if they can find out that that they're loved, you know, and, and recognize that the, the world is a friendly place and there's lots of love in it, then that can help so much. Yeah, and you know, what I also love is that um, uh, one of the TV stations <laughs> did a little a few minute story on the Abundant Love Project one year for a different kind of Valentine's Day, how to show love that isn't just chocolates and roses, um, oh, cool. you know, that sort of thing. So they did that. And then I got invited to do this with Brownie troops and Girl Scout troops, which was really, really sweet. I would meet with these kids, you know, some of them were like seven years old and you know, I would give my instructions, you know, you draw a heart, you do this, and they would listen to me. And then they would do whatever they wanted, but it was great. You know, they would draw cupcakes on the stones because cupcakes are sweet and they wanted someone to feel like this was a sweet message for them. And it was really, really wonderful. I mean, just watching what other people can create, if they're just given like a little bit of uh, direction and encouragement, and then they would leave these stones uh, for other people to find. Uh, some people would make them and leave them outside of hospitals. I mean, hospitals, sometimes they have really good news, like, hey, so-and-so had a baby. It's a great day. And then sometimes they don't have good news. People come out and they're crying. And so people would leave them outside of hospitals, um, you know, park benches, fence posts. It just has to be someplace where it won't be confused with something you would buy in a store. So don't leave them in a store or a place like that. But they were out in public. That is that's so wonderful. I one of my friends did something kind of similar to it. That she's is an artist and she likes to uh, draw and paint. So she would make cards. And then write a love note inside the card. And then she'd put them on uh, shopping carts or different places. And Oh, I uh, love that. Yeah. <laughs> I would it, love to find one of those. Yeah. Wouldn't that feel good? Yeah. It's <laughs> they, like they were you know, just really sweet. a message from the universe, like something bigger than you made sure that you got that message at that right time. Yeah. Um, and they have, have people... Uh, willing to pick it up because I, I did. I was in a class once where they had us do this experiment uh, was for a class I was taking, an actual class, and they said that we needed to take some money. It could be they wanted it to be at least a dollar, but it could be more than that, and put it in a public place and get some place where you could watch what was going on and see how many people went by and ignored it and how many people would uh, do anything about it. And it was fascinating. I was I did it um, in front of a park on Main Street in a, in a beach town. And so there were lots of people that walked by and I decided to put a $20 bill down. And I did. Oh. <laughs> and people walked by, a whole lot of them didn't look down, didn't see it. The ones that did see it looked at it like, hmm, <laughs> you know, I wonder why that's there and kept walking. And I, I was there for almost a half an hour with people walking by, just not picking up this $20 bill. And finally, a, a couple of women came by that had some younger children with them who were lower. <laughs> and this one little boy picked it up and he said, look, mom, see what I got? And they said, oh, well, that's not for you. And he says, well, nobody else has it, you know. <laughs> 
And he finally talked her into keeping it, and he was just ecstatic. And the family then started smiling and thought it was really cool. But it's interesting how people just are hesitant to think that something good or nice or beautiful is for them. Yeah. And I tried doing something similar to your experiment one time when I started making these You know, here in California, all of our shopping centers, they're all outdoors because it's nice weather. So I sat on a, I put one on a bench, a stone with a note. And then I sat maybe about 20 feet away on another bench. And I watched people come and sit on that bench. And it was as if the stone was invisible. They sat down, their eyes didn't see it. And they're pretty colorful. I do like bright color paint pens on them. And I'm like, what's up with this? Like, I thought I was going to see someone find it and be like so happy. And then I decided they, you're not supposed to watch. Like part of the whole random act of kindness is just put it out there and have faith that the right person will find it. I always say the stone finds the person, person doesn't find the stone. And it finds the person, the right person at the right time. Because some of the stories that people would post on um, the Facebook page, or sometimes they would be shy and write a private message to me, they would say things that, you know, um, my father had just died, um, you know, several days before, and I was out walking around, and I saw this stone, and I was curious, and I picked it up, and I read the message, and I started crying because I knew it was a message from my dad. I mean, I had so many stories like that. And um, I think one of the ones that touched me the most was from a woman in Australia that really, she took this project on, the Abundant Love Project. And I don't even know how to guess. I bet she's made a thousand stones. Wow. And she told me that one of her friends was walking down by this river near where she lives. And she was talking to a person there. And the person said, you know, one of my friends was down here the other day. And they were thinking of ending their life, but they found a stone that someone had made with a beautiful note attached to it, and they decided not to. Wow. And yeah, every time I tell that story, I still get goosebumps over it. So it was the stone finding the right person at the right time, and they decided life was worth living. That's so beautiful. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of stories like that come in through the social media um, that people find. And um, a few people do a little more specific. They're like, leave it maybe on a coworker's desk or something like that. But still, they don't know who left it. So the coworker will say, like, one of my coworkers left this on my desk. And I don't know who did it, but I was having the worst week. And I thought everyone at work didn't appreciate me. And then I got this stone and it really meant a lot to me. Whoever put it here, thank you. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. I really love that. And it's something anybody could do, you know. Yeah, And, you know, even there was a, a woman who was in a wheelchair. She couldn't get out and walk around and leave stones or collect stones, but she did ceramics. And I know you told me that you've done ceramics also. Um, So she made little stone-like objects with clay and painted on them. And then she had her husband 
wheel her around, you know, after they were fired and leave them with notes. And she was so excited when she saw that people found her little ceramic creations. And she was so excited. Like she felt like it was kind of like a little extra purpose to her life. Again, like I had said earlier, you know, knowing that it was helping someone uplifted me when all I wanted to do was sit on the couch in a dark room. And I, for this woman, it kind of did the same thing where it uplifted her like, well, you know, I can't get out much, but look when I did, look what I was able to do. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. I I, I was just remembering that the person I told you about who did the, the cards with the art and stuff, she would put them inside an envelope. And on the outside of the envelope, uh, and she'd, she'd attach them like to a shopping cart. She'd attach it to it. And on the outside, it, it said, hey, you, you looking at this envelope, this is for you. It really is. Please open it up. <laughs> you know, on my little notes here that I have, I kind of fold them up like like a little envelope, kind of like I'm showing oh, you like cool. this. And then I write on this little flap, I write for you with a heart on it. Because otherwise, people are like, should I pick it up? Did someone leave it here? Are they watching me? Should I not, you know, look at this? And um, even if they're curious about it. So I, I do the same thing. I write on it for you. Yeah. So it's Sometimes, like, okay, like yeah. it's mine. <laughs> people just need some encouragement or, or need to. Yeah. People are so, I'm not sure what the right word would be, but they, they, somehow don't think that they're worthy or it could be possibly be for them or why would anybody do that for me? Mm-hmm. So uh, I think putting you on it <laughs> is really important. Yeah. And you know, it helps this, it helps the maker of the stone, I think as much, sometimes I think more than the person receiving it. Um, it really does. And, you know, at the time when I started this, I thought I was inventing something that had never been done before. But then I found out there's like rock groups in the country and they don't have the exact purpose that mine has where it's to uplift people with a note like this. Sometimes they just leave uh, kindness rocks, projects, things like that. Um, So, yeah, I found out there's it's like a community mindset where there's other groups in the country doing something similar. I love that. And I love that it's groups because it brings people together and they can lift each other up in the group. Yeah. And we would sit around, you know, in my groups, it was usually about 10 of us when we meet and, um, you know, we, we just tell our stories, what's going on with us. It's it's kind of like part meditation, part uh, informal therapy. Yeah. Yeah, I've um, I've made a lot of quilts, and I've been in quilting groups where we would get together to to quilt together, and it kind of reminds me of those quilting bees they called them. That that it was just a camaraderie sort of a thing to be able to sit together, and I have um, one of the things that I did was after my second husband who died would died, I started writing about it and found that it was really helping me. And I thought this would be cool for me to teach other people the kind of writing that I'm doing that could help them. But we hadn't lived here on Maui that long and I I didn't know anybody to invite. So I went on meetup and said, Hey, this is what I'm doing. If you're interested, come on over to my house. And they did. (laughs) And we would sit around, we'd, we'd write a little bit and then we'd talk about what we wrote and people started, they'd bring, 
snacks with them. And I'd always fix different kinds of iced tea for them to have with their snacks. And I never invited anybody to bring snacks. They just started doing it. And it got to be a real wonderful social circle of people that were smiling a lot and supporting each other and not costing anybody anything, just just a fun thing to do together. And I think in grief, especially, it's really nice to have somebody who gets you, you know, somebody who's been experiencing something like that too. Yeah. Cause after my daughter died and I was so, so lost in this forest of grief. Um, it was like a forest with no sky that showed through. It was just a dense forest. Um, I was going to therapy and I said to my therapist, like, I need to find other people like me that are going through this because no one, None of my friends understand this. Everything, you know, their lives are intact and mine isn't. It's torn apart. And she said, start a meetup group. And I said, you mean I have to do this? <laughs> like, I, like, what do you mean? Like, I have to do work? Like, I have to create this? And she was like, yeah, you do. <laughs> <laughs> and I started a meetup group and I gave it a very specific name. It was like, North County Parents Grieving the Loss of a Child. That was the name of my group. So that no one would come thinking it was something else. And sadly, a lot of people came. And I say sadly because they'd all lost children. Um, And so we formed our little support group, um, our own little network of, you know, who we lost, how we lost them, um, what we're doing, what are the worst things we dealt with that week, and what are the maybe some of the better things that happened that week. And that was life-saving, <laughs> like like your circle that you formed. <laughs> you have it's, to find your tribe. Yeah, you do. And grief is, people tend to self-isolate, you know, they just, they don't, They don't know where to go. They don't know who to go to or who to talk to. And so they stay by themselves for way too long, I find. And when they can get together with somebody, it just makes all the difference in the world. So beautiful. Yeah. And then, you know, from the meetup group and the stones that I make, I kind of became known as, you know, the lady who you might want to talk to, you know, when you know someone who's going through a similar type of loss or the same kind of loss, they're like, oh, talk to this lady, Deb. And so I made even, you know, more friends that way. Um, And I never turn down anybody that wants to talk because I know how hard it was. I had no one to talk to, you know, all of my siblings at the time, they all had their kids and all of my friends had their kids. And I was like, I have to find the ones who understand me and stick with them. And, you know, since my daughter died, it was just about five or six years after that, I lost a niece. Oh, wow. It was like, you know, so it was kind of like the first one was like getting hit upside of the head with a wooden board. And then the second loss was like, they just came and hit me on the other side of the head. After my daughter Kate died, I became very close with my niece Elizabeth. And I'm here in California. She was in Arizona. She would come and visit me. We would text and chat. And she was the sweetest, sweetest person. And um, a medical error with medication took her life. Wow. 
suddenly and unexpectedly. So now I have a sister in the same position as myself. Yeah. So, you know, well, you know, you lost not one, but two husbands. Yeah. Um, And you think, you know, lightning doesn't strike twice, but it does. Yeah. Yeah, and they, they both died of the same thing, too, <laughs> oh my which was, uh, it's like, why why am I having to do this twice? <laughs> but I, I guess part of it was because it, it led me to the work that I'm doing now, and I love the work I'm doing now. And I'm, I'm really surprised when I say I'm happier now than I ever have been, but I am. <laughs> and wow. I, I'm sure it's because I know that people are benefiting greatly from the the work that I do. Yeah. When you help someone, you're helping yourself. And no one really talks about that a lot. But, you know, it's true. You know, helping people, it does the same thing for myself um, as you just spoke of. It's like, okay, well, if I talk about this, it brings it out into a conversation. So here we are. You have a podcast that brings this topic out there because I find, you know, maybe it's America, I think, in general, mm-hmm. as a country, we're not that comfortable with grief, loss, or the unpleasant things. No one really likes to bring that up. It's like, oh, here she goes. She's talking about it again. But it doesn't ever go away. It doesn't get better. The loss is always there. You know, I had, I do have a daughter who's alive, and I'm very thankful for that precious gift. And I have a six-year-old grandson. And I had people say to me like, well, you have a grandson now that helps. Right. And I'm like, it's, those are two different things. You know, it's, he's not my daughter. My daughter is irreplaceable and I love him, but these are two different people. And just because you lose one and gain one, it's, it's not like the equation isn't like that. Yeah. Yeah, it it's really amazing. But it's it's so good when when you can discover something like your your project and my project that yeah. uh, that you can do and see people smile. That's that's one of the things I like best about what I'm doing when we have our, our weekly Zoom meetings. At the end of the meeting, everybody's smiling. And when you're working with a grief group, that's a big deal. (laughs) It is. I mean, it took me a while to find my way to a smile. It took me a while to find my way out of feeling like somehow the universe was dealing out cards to people and I got the worst hand, you know. It just felt like it wasn't fair. People didn't understand. I was angry. You know, why did this happen to me, but not to others who were worse people or something? I don't know. You just start looking for reasons and there just aren't any. It's just, I always say now, no one gets the life they thought. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, when you're young and maybe you're in grade school, you're like, oh, I'm going to grow up. I'm going to do this. And Maybe I'm going to have like three dogs and I'm going to have live in a certain place and and I'm going to marry a really handsome guy and, you know, things like that. And maybe some of that comes true, but, you know, life isn't a permanent thing. We live on a planet that spins around and moves as it's spinning and life is always changing and yeah. no one really gets the exact life 
that lasts an entire lifetime. You might get pieces of that ideal life, but you also get the other stuff mixed yeah. in. Yeah, it's so true. And I, I find, uh, since I do things with grief and happiness, that people don't feel, they feel like they have to have permission to smile or permission to be happy. They think that it's not appropriate for somebody who's dealing with grief to smile, that that's not appropriate in society. And I agree it, that with what you're saying. Yeah, yeah it, it's, it's a, a myth that we have to um, convince people they don't have to go by. Yeah, because if you're smiling, somehow it's like you're acknowledging like, well, they died, but look, I'm still happy, you know, and it's like disrespectful to the person who passed, but yeah. it's not. And, you know, sometimes I think about that with my daughter and I'm like, you know, in the beginning, I thought I'm never going to smile again. But then I thought, well, her smile was so beautiful and she would want to know that I wasn't going to spend the rest of my life in a really sad and dark place. And I can almost hear her being like, you know, you go, mama, you know, you know, just do it. You know, I'm okay. You know, just go, mama. And uh, I can hear her saying that and almost like, you know, pat me on the back, like you're doing it, you're doing it. But you do have to connect to that thing that, you know, allows you to create. You know, creating, it's not just about art. You know, you can create a moment of happiness. You can create a smile and it doesn't cost you anything. You can create a reason to smile. You can create a walk in nature and maybe just the way that the flowers are blooming that day is a little bit uplifting. Um, there's all sorts of little baby steps because you don't really take big steps out of grief. They're all baby steps. That's right. You know, I, I I have smiled through most of this conversation with you, <laughs> and it feels really good. You know, it, it feels good to take some time for yourself and do something creative and be kind to other people and accept kindness from other people. I think that's just so important. And I've had you, uh, I've really enjoyed having you here on the, the podcast today because it, it just... I like people to think positively and I've enjoyed I hope they're all smiling. Yeah. <laughs> I hope they're finding something to smile about and that their, their minds are now kind of thinking like, well, okay. So Emily did it and Deborah did it. So what can I do? Yeah, that's exactly right. Perfect. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming here and getting that well, message across to people who listen here. <laughs> Thank you so much. Oh, my pleasure. And next week, I'll look forward to having my listeners here again. We always have something different to talk about and listen about and hopefully bring you happiness and smiles while you're grieving. So thank you for listening. Do you want more comfort, support, and happiness? Join the Grief and Happiness Alliance. Visit my website at lovingandlivingyourwaythroughgrief.com and read my book, Loving and Living Your Way Through Grief. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast, rate it, review it, and binge on all our episodes on grief and happiness. I can't wait to welcome you back to another episode.